4: He'd be there purring away at me. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, he'd go Hello and
2: welcome. This is episode 11 of the Paul Ryder Tapes where Paul Ryder, founding member and bass player from Manchester Legends Happy Mondays sat down with me, his ex-wife Angela Smith to tell his complete life story which we finished recording just 12 days before he died I know everyone's blown away by his honesty but there's much more to come I promise Coming up in this episode... (laughs) <laughs>
5: and seven months later, I was pregnant with Sonny. Oh, what a love
2: story. I know, it was weird, wasn't yeah, it?
6: Yeah, fuck <laughs> our kids' movie, ours is bad. <laughs> that image of me, of me on a riser playing with the Mondays, and looking down and he's looking at me and he's going, point, trying to point at me and he's going, do you want one? And he's, it's like we're in a bar. The moment
5: Sean watched the Doors movie, that's when Sean changed, he thought he was Jim Morrison.
3: And they're both the pair of you No, know, had terrible addictions at the time. You know what I mean? Which no clouds everyone's judgment.
0: Robin Manson went. His we swimming goggles went as well. We're not me, accusing. Me and Paul are convinced to this day. Paul said, "It's that Manson. I'm going to find him, get his goggles back." I'm
5: into to Simon Moran, who's uh, from SJM Concerts probably the biggest concert promoter in Europe. And um, he said, how do you feel about getting the band back together and doing a tour? That was how the approach happened.
2: So what did you say when he said that? And what did you think? Where did your mind go with that?
5: My mind went, went straight to, will anyone turn up and watch us?
2: Oh, you'd lost your confidence.
5: Oh yeah. Yeah, are you sure you want to do this, Simon? You're going to lose a lot of money. (laughs) You know, and we ended up playing the MEN Arena in Manchester.
2: So he said, how do you feel about getting the band back together? You said, yes, I'd be interested. And this was 1999 and you hadn't played together as a band for like six years.
5: Yeah, phoned Sean, said I bumped into Simon Moran, he wants to get the band back together. What What are you thinking? And his reaction was, yeah, great, but we're not having Mark Day or Paul Davis." So, which was kind of... ..kind of not cool,
7: really.
2: No. Like everyone else, Mark had a hard time when the band first split.
7: Oh, fuming. Yeah. yeah. used to have um, pl- plasticine dummies on the wall and used to throw knives at it. Yeah. It wasn't good, was it, cos... Me personally, I'd just bought a house, got kids on the way, and interest rates were 30%. Well, it was a plane crash, wasn't it? And so I had to find a job, so I was fucked. It was either bankruptcy, or too late to start a band, because it takes years to start a band again. It's not, what a, it's not an income thing that comes straight in, so yeah, I just drank too much. You know, um, but there was one good thing that came out, that, I saw my kids grow up. I got a job, got back into the system. Became an entrepreneur selling crap to people that didn't need it. But I had to sort of face my fear and do it anyway. I had to earn money, oh, it's either that or go bankrupt and just, you know, um, you've got to do what you've got to do for your family. And I did that for 15 years then. I stopped playing. I didn't play for 17 years, I put my guitars in the loft, I just forgot about music, I didn't do anything, I just hated it, it left a really bad taste in my mouth, you know, and I didn't want to get involved. Um, so I didn't listen, I didn't care.
2: And Bez too was devastated when the split had happened.
7: They're both,
3: they pair of us, you no, know, I had terrible addictions at the time, you know what I mean? which you no know, clouds, everyone's judgement, you know what I mean? Me and Charlotte, i always thought it was a you know, terrible mistake by the rest of the band, you know what I mean? They should have st- stuck on, because we, we fought Super Nails to, to keep that band together at the time. The frustrating thing for me was, is uh, that you know, how nobody could see what they'd got, you know what I mean? They couldn't see beyond the fucking, that moment, you know what I mean? And it was madness like fucking hell, we're in a fucking massive band, fucking world, known right round the world. What is it? You know, what fucking hell, you should be fucking really happy. You know what I mean? And that, and that's what I used to do me heading because you know, fucking I was loving it, mate. I fucking like buzzing me, fucking socks So and I couldn't understand why you no know, everybody else would wouldn't be in the same you notes, know, felt the same about it all.
5: So we we ended up doing it with uh, Wags from the Paris Angels on guitar who went on to write a lot of the Black Grape stuff. Mm. And um, Ben Leach from The Farm, who was their keyboard player. Mm-hmm. So we did like a football transfer from Liverpool to Manchester.
2: So in 1999 was the first reunion after that, wasn't it, when Simon Moran got the band back together.
3: Well, I, I can't really remember, to be truthful, that. And, um, and at the time, I was, I think I might have been treating this like a smashing grab, you know what I mean? I really didn't give a fuck, because uh, I didn't see anything here. I thought, I oh, fucking, I, did, I wasn't going to join at first, you know what I mean, go back. Me heart wasn't really into the thing, you know what I mean? Because, uh, no, I felt like, no. We do we, we still hadn't really had made friends either from the, the break-up either, you know what I mean? And it felt like a bit like say a bit like a smash and grab, you know what I mean, and uh and like like I say, it's a funny thing, but we I'm glad we did it anyway, you know what I mean? And it got the band no sort of back on song. But i I can't remember how it sounds to split up as a band now. I've lost count and reformed, you know what I mean?
2: Paul was worried that going back on tour with the band would put his newfound freedom from using drugs at risk, so he enlisted the help of his friend Dave.
0: Paul went back and he said, oh, I can't, uh, I don't think I can do that. But I, I, uh, from what I know, the rest of them said, well, it's not going to happen if Paul's not going to do it. The issue was whether, going on tour, there would be temptations mm-hmm. for him to, to get through the tour. So he asked me when to go along just to make sure that he stayed on the straight and narrow. And we ended up going on tour and, uh, and my job was really to uh, to keep him, to keep away from Sean, uh, to keep him away from, uh, to make sure the door was locked so nobody knocked on his door, you know, trying to lead him astray at the night. And um, and that was pretty much my, uh, my role there.
2: And how good was he at, at staying on the straight and narrow? Did he test you much?
0: Well, the other people thought, well, you know, this is what, like, there's pause here, so, you know, it's going to be how it was. Uh, and I think I maybe na- naively thought, he's only going to do it if he can do it, you know, straight. He's been through so much shit. He's not going to go back there. But then I kind of thought, well, is that realistic to think that?
2: Dave's wife, Maureen, wasn't optimistic. I think that he probably genuinely thought he would have been able, that he could do it.
8: It, He's not really ever been a person that was particularly resilient in terms of those temptations and and I can just imagine the pressure of, because it was the first real big comeback, wasn't it, with the whole original, well, mostly of the original line up there and that was a massive, massive test.
2: I think at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was still drinking at the time to stop him from taking drugs. Subsequently, he learned that you can't really drink if you're a drug addict. And I think that was part of what the the battle was for him, was that he was still drinking a massive amount and thought that that was okay as long as he didn't pick up drugs. Paul and Sean's mum, Linda, reminded Gaz's mum, Sandra, that she had a special tool that she could consult to find out how successful the tour was going to be.
4: You've got a crystal ball. I've got a crystal ball. You have, <coughs> haven't you?
2: Yeah. yeah. You came to my kitchen in Worsley. Do you not oh, remember?
4: Oh, did we? Yes, yeah. I remember. You said I don't remember. I do <laughs> you, but... you said I don't remember when I said to you, when we did that. I did. When, when, when I to said to you, I don't remember that. She's deaf. She'd probably had too many vodkas. because not! <laughs> <laughs> and then there
5: was Lee Mullen, as well. Like and Lee Mullen, we had Lee on percussion, which is great. Lee's a great percussion player. Went on to do George Michael stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm.
6: I first uh, met Paul um, on my audition for the Happy Mondays. Tracy bought
4: you a crystal ball, didn't she? Oh, yeah, she did. And she charges it up. up. Oh, it's lovely. It's a good ornament.
6: And it would have been in... 99, that would have been. So that would have been... It, there would have been a room with in Greenhouse Studios with myself, Paul, Ben, Leach, the MD, and Gary Whelan.
4: She nice. charges it up, though, don't you, in the garden? Yes. No, why do we have to put a charge it up? It's not electric. It's just glass. <laughs>
6: I already knew Gaz anyway. I had a because I was I was in. I'd done some recording with a band that Gaz was involved in, called Delicious previously. You
4: tell me how to charge you it up. Don't worry, don't worry. You get some of these things
6: off. And um, so I already knew Gaz, and Gaz thought it'd be a good idea for me to come down and have an audition because they were talking about using a percussionist from uh, from London, and he wanted me to come down and meet Ben. And uh, Paul turned up, so it was like a rhythm section um rehearsal
4: it, it's not gl- it's not electric so you plug it in no i and know it's beautiful not. oh it's lovely oh, Why would i would have charged it up in my i don't know but you tell me you had to leave it in the garden perhaps it was to get the moon on it or something i don't know I don't, i've never got all the sun could be the sun charge you know that's where you got confused what like a solar yeah to get it hot
6: and we just we we didn't really play any very many of the sort of Happy Mondays songs. I remember. I think we just we just jammed. And he and um, and he was Paul was um, was uh, made me feel very easy very quickly. And when I talk
4: to it, man, nothing ever happens. But when when I talk to it, I feel better.
6: Oh. And after us playing for maybe around forty minutes or something, he said. Right, welcome to the family. He said, that's it. He said, he, he said, which made it, even before Ben said it, he said, you're, you know, you're in the band. You're Lee Percussion in the band.
4: Sometimes I talk to him, it it's nice, and if I want something, I'll go, are you there? You're joking. Why? Well, I'm asking, is it there? Might not be there. Might be anywhere, mightn't it? You've got to ask, haven't you? So, are, are you there? Nobody ever answers me. If somebody did, I'd throw it in the bin. <laughs>
5: And then there was Nuts. Oh, Nuts! <laughs> our, our kid's <laughs> protege, Nuts. Nuts is a rapper, he's a programmer, he's an entertainer, he's a singer. He can do anything. Uh, he, he was really big enough Nuts to come to rehearsals. And, and Nuts arrived at rehearsals and it was like, OK, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a speaking part on the on the on the record we brought out in 99, the boys are back in town.
2: Right, Rowetta was there too this incarnation, wasn't she, the band? Oh! Yeah, she was. Yeah, she yeah. must have been.
5: <laughs> she must have been, yeah, 99. Yeah, Rowetta was there.
2: So go on. So the, the, the first thing that you did then was record a single?
5: Simon got us a great deal, just on a single deal with uh, I think it was with London it must have been with London and they put that out and that was a hit you know we did top of the pops again it was a thin
2: Lizzy cover
5: thin Lizzy cover thin Lizzy was I think we spoke about thin Lizzy earlier um one of my go-to bands when i was 14 hmm. 13 no uh, it was a thin Lizzy cover
2: but to me, I I actually didn't realise that it was a cover version. It's so so different from the original version of the song. It's yeah. almost like a brand new song.
5: Yeah, that's why I, I, I like doing cover versions because you can mm. you can get the inspiration for them, from them, but turn it into something new.
2: Yeah, the worst cover versions are when they're just like trying Copies. to be replicas. Yeah, yeah. But this was really. Like, I remember hearing it several times and not realising. Oh. That it was a Thin Lizzy song.
5: Yeah, that's it. That's
2: Even it. the chorus, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't the same melody or anything. It was completely different. No,
5: it was com- it was inspired by Thin Lizzy's version.
2: Yeah, of course. hmm Yeah. So what was it like when you first went back into the studio after not being... How many years had gone by at this point? We're in 1999. You'd originally split in, what, 93-ish, 94? Ooh. had you
5: been off for about five years yeah yeah, yeah. we went back in with the oak and, and osborne right they did the boys are back in town oh, okay and it was great we was at this residential studio you know because you yeah, was, there. was there Yeah, it was a nice residential studio with meals at certain times and yeah. it was all plush and cool and groovy yeah and uh, and we had oak and Fold and osborne again
2: Rowetta had a bit of a disaster soon after she arrived there.
8: I left my cigs in the, in the hut bit where I think we had something to eat, went back into the studio and I went back to go and get my cigs and I walked, stepped into the, they call it a pond, but it was a lake. It was a lake that I thought was a path and, a, and my leather jacket that I'd got when I was with horse in a TK Maxx type shop uh, got, got drowned full of duck shit.
2: So how did it feel when you first met up with everybody again? I mean, obviously not Mark and P.D., but yeah. you, there was Gaz, there was Rowetta, Sean. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Remember? That, that was
5: all great. Everyone was getting on quite well. Mm-hmm. Everyone was getting on really well. Um, studio session was great until Sean brought his mate down who robbed everybody's rooms. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. It kind of sent a bad vibe across the... Uh, yeah. Across the whole thing. We had to send him off back to Manchester. Yeah.
2: Paul Oakenfold, who was producing the single with Steve Osborne, was absolutely furious.
1: I was in the real world studio, Peter Gabriel studio, I was so excited to go down this a residential studio. And we were recording and then Steve came to me uh, and said that a bunch of his belongings have been I've gone missing. I'm like, what are you talking about? I checked the whole room, stuff has been stolen. Wallet, money. And the band were there, the band's entourage were there. And then I pulled Sean to the side and I was like, listen, we got a problem here. Unless this wallet and money's put back within the next hour, we're walking and I'm never going to work with you guys again. You don't fucking do that. That is disrespectful, rude, and Mm -hmm. who fucking steals anyway? I mean, you know, where's your head at? Let alone the producers who...
2: Making the album, yeah.
1: Really? Is that where we're at? We got this low that we're doing this. So I'm like, I'm out of here, man. And I said, Steve, we're going. It got resolved. It got resolved. It, the, it was put back where what was mm. stolen was put back and it certainly wasn't the band and it mm. wasn't, you know, and I'm sure it was embarrassing for them as much as it was.
2: I remember it, yeah.
1: For us and yeah. it just left a bad taste mm. and that killed the vibe.
8: He robbed Paul Oakenfold's credit card but it was on um, CCTV. So um, that that then Paul Oaken was going, the vibe's
1: gone, the vibe, it had. The vibe had gone. It was over there. Even when we were trying to do it, it was like, oh, fuck it, man.
8: Can't blame it on why the record wasn't brilliant. I did enjoy the dirty version where Sean just just ranting. I
1: don't want to be here. I don't yeah. want to be, I don't want to sit around and be around these guys.
8: You get 10 fucking goals now. I get one, because he's a drummer. You get bum, tick, tick, and he gets loads. Of, pay the
2: Willie Banjo. They got rid of the guy that did <coughs> it though, I think. They kicked him out. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: And so they should have. It mm. should never have been there and it no. should have just been us and the band and the band
8: did you go there i remember Horse was just quiet yeah,
2: yeah we just got back together at that point
8: oh. yeah yeah it was it was, it was, it was, it was lovely cuz we got back to do something but uh, i don't think record was great or anything but i love that record i don't know like i like don't know it's you know as well because when we did when we did top of the Pops, it was terrible because we did it live which you know, we were the, for Top of the Pops. We, we thought it was a rehearsal because it was so bad, the rehearsal. And with Nuts in as well, it wasn't very good. But because it was a rehearsal and everyone wasn't really trying very hard. It was just messy and they kept it in. The new producer at Top of the Pops thought it'd be cool to just do this. Everyone going wrong, everyone coming in at the wrong time. And if you watch it now, it's just awful. It's just, it's just a horrible. Um, so I think that was a problem. And I always thought the dirty version was more Happy Mondays. The other version sounds a bit novelty. Yes, who does come back. To... It's a bit novelty. Yeah, the boys, right. but we did it on TFI Friday, we did it well. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I
2: loved your bits in um, that song. I mean that that was And the Voodoo, I've
8: been Voodooed with Bez did. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, the boys are back. But it's just it was just a thought Sean's was a little bit novelty. Sean's yeah, I like the dirty yeah. version, as I said, but the yeah, it was just down the reno, smoking Julia. yeah. That it was a little bit too I don't know. Yeah, a little no, bit. I I didn't even realize it was a
2: cover version until like a year later. Oh, because no,
8: I love the, I love the original as well. That's another reason why I, do. I just thought we could have done it more dirty, more messy, more rocky, more punky. Yeah. It was a little bit too pop, and I, I think it had gone from step on to really pop. It had gone really poppy, like busted. It was a bit too not busted, but one of them kind of bands for me. Yeah, um, and I don't know why it did. I think, but I do think it
0: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: That was strange. So, also during this period, that was when... We met up again, wasn't it? We
5: met up again, yeah. You'd
2: just reformed... It had just been announced in the press Mm -hmm. that the Mondays were reforming and I'd just started a production company. Right. So I remember I had the phone number... Of your dad because he'd been the tour manager in Iceland. Yeah, yeah. And uh, factory were no more, so I couldn't call factory. Mm-hmm. So the only number I thought to call was your dad's number.
5: Mm-hmm. his home. his landline. His home number in Manchester. Which they still have.
2: I know it was still your mum's number, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
5: forty odd years later. I yeah, want to say what it is. <laughs> no.
2: Um, and I remember phoning and it went onto the answering machine mm-hmm. and leaving a message saying. Angela Smith, you might remember me from Iceland. Nine year, it was nine years before wow. that I'd met you in Iceland, and I said, um, "I just won." I'm just wondering who the man, new manager of the Mondays is, because I just set up a production company. I thought it'd be a really good behind the scenes documentary to follow mm-hmm. the process of you trying to get everything together to do mm-hmm. an, a, a show. I thought, mm-hmm. be, and uh, left this message, and then I got home that night. I must have given my home number you must have been, because yeah. you phoned me up yeah and i had no idea you were living back at your mums and dads at that point point. Mm-hmm. and you said oh has it really been nine years oh my Do you god remember? We, had yeah. that conversation. we were on the phone yeah. for like three hours three hours yeah and you said to me what are you doing this weekend and i said mm. i'm going to thailand actually for oh, work
5: yes yeah, right yeah and you
2: said well when are you going i said saturday I said well what are you doing friday -hmm. And I said nothing and you said, Can I come down to see you on Friday night? Yeah,
5: yeah. I was like, Yeah, all right then. Yeah. I've just got my I just bought my new Volvo with pop up headlights.
2: I remember that car.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've been paid suddenly I had money back in my bank account and it's like, Oh, it's time to get a new car. And I went to see this car and the guy had fitted an extra ashtray. I thought this is great I've got two <laughs> ashtrays I've got to buy this car <laughs> so I bought it because it had an extra ashtray fitted in there
2: funny so you drove down to London I think it was like the next day the next day, day Holland, yeah yeah and um you brought a bottle of champagne yeah we and went... so did you yeah so <laughs> we went to the pub and then you came back to my house and you said to me I want to marry you and have babies with you yeah and I was like Oh, all right then. <laughs> yeah,
5: can we have a white picket fence and chickens? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And it was that easy, wasn't and it? It was
5: like, yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. We'll let's have a white. Us,
5: we'll get married. We'll have a white picket yeah. fence and chickens. Yeah, and babies.
2: Chickens and babies and babies. <laughs> and babies. Yeah, don't
5: forget the babies.
2: Yeah. Now then, I remember going to Iceland the next. Not Iceland. Thailand. Thailand the next day. Yeah. And seeing my friend Darren there, who also happened to be in Thailand, and we were staying at the same place. I remember saying to him. Mm. Do you think I should get pregnant straight away? <laughs> I think I should wait for, seriously, I did. I do remember
8: when he first met you and came back, and he said he'd really fallen for this girl. I was like, because he was really wanting a girlfriend, and um, I don't think he thought he'd get a girlfriend. Like you don't, but I just don't think he did think he'd get one because his, his marriage had split up and everything. And I remember him being really besotted with you when he came back. They'd met this girl who worked for MTV, and, and I remember me, me and Sean came and stayed at your house actually in Islington.
2: <laughs> and seven months later I was pregnant with Sonny
5: oh what a love story
2: I know it was weird wasn't yeah. it
5: fuck <laughs> our kids movie ours is bad
2: <laughs> and I remember when I got back you met me at the airport and you you had a Lacoste dress in a box for me
0: Oh, a present
2: very smooth <laughs> yeah I was
5: a smooth operator
2: you were. You were. <laughs> so, when I had the champagne and you had the champagne, obviously I knew nothing about the intervening years. I knew no. you were back at your mum and dad's, but. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I think you told me you'd had a nervous breakdown, but mm. I had no idea you were a heroin addict no. or an alcoholic. No. Uh, I learned pretty fast, though. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't take me long yeah. to realise. I remember when I got back from Thailand, you were there. And when we woke up in the morning, you were like, I'm just nipping over to the pub. Oh, it
5: was great. You had a pub across the street street, facing your house. I thought, this is great.
0: (laughs) Pub right across the road.
2: I was like, it's a bit early to start with beer. Yeah. And then we went for a meal with Laura and Ben, the keyboard player, who I'd helped fixed up with my friend laura who i worked at mtv with come to iceland with us she started being in a relationship with ben and the four of us went for a dinner to a restaurant just down the street
5: i remember yeah and you drank so
2: much sambuka, wasn't it yeah
5: do you remember that i was very very sick and
2: you were so sick you had to have a bucket by the bed because you were throwing up and i thought i think he drinks too much
5: (laughs) (laughs) That was a shape of things to come.
2: Yeah, I didn't but I didn't really know much about alcoholism at that point. I thought you just liked to pint, like mm-hmm. we all did.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and at that point I know you weren't doing any drugs. No. And if I'd thought that you were, would have been scared off I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um it was about four months later when I finally realised that something was
5: wrong. But by that
2: point, I was in it. You was in it. And I didn't know anything about
5: mm-hmm.
2: how to deal with an addict oh. or... <laughs>
5: Do I apologise right now? I'm yeah. sure I've apologised on a million occasions.
2: Well, it wasn't your fault, really, was it? No. I... I have to take responsibility. I was the one that put myself in that position and didn't walk away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I'm glad I didn't walk... Like, With hindsight, now, like I said before, all of the adversity we go through makes us what we are now, and without that,
7: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
5: you don't
2: grow and learn, do you? So,
5: where are we right now? We're in Los Angeles, right? Just down the road from Hollywood.
2: Yeah,
5: it's winter, yeah, although it's spring in a couple of days. It's winter, and it's like 80 odd degrees outside. There's not a cloud in the sky, sky, yellow, yeah. And um, we're sitting here chatting about it many, 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 many years later. 23 years later. 23 years later. Yeah. And life couldn't be better.
2: Yeah.
5: For me, personally. And for you, I know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What?
5: Let's stop. (laughs) That was another half hour. Surely it must have been. That's a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go home now. All right, as far as you can. Fuck. Whew. Oh, it's getting deep. It's good. Good. I like it. I'd listen to
2: it. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I'd listen to it. Hello again. Hi. We're back. <laughs> Are you ready for this?
5: Not really, but let's do it.
2: <laughs> okay, so um, what I decided to do, because... There's been a lot of controversy about things that have been said in various books.
5: Oh, God, yeah.
2: I decided that it might be a good idea to read some of the books. Okay. But I haven't had a chance yet to read the books, so one of them I just picked up and opened a page randomly. Uh Uh-huh. And I read this bit, and I'm like... I'm going to have to read this to you because it relates to what we were talking about last time about Barbados. Right. And I think if I read it to you, you'll Mm. have quite a strong reaction. Oh,
5: my God. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is from... I've never read any of these books. i flicked through them like you did and just opened up random pages and had to put them down because it was just full of shit. Yeah,
2: Okay. Go on. So, this is the book Hallelujah... The Extraordinary Story of Sean Ryder and Happy Mondays by John Warburton with Sean Ryder. Oh, okay. So I've opened it on page. I've re- opened it randomly on page thirty-six. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
2: and it's talking about Barbados right. and it quotes Tony Wilson. Rest oh, his right. Okay. Dear soul. Um, So I'm just going to read you a little bit here. Mm -hmm. So this this isn't Tony talking yet. This is the book talking, Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. so we're not allowed to use me reading the actual words from the book for copyright reasons. But the gist of what I was reading to Paul was the book claiming that drugs weren't the only thing trashing the Mondays at that time and that when they got to Barbados, the band's attitude had changed due to their success and the media. It then quoted Tony Wilson saying effectively that one of the reasons Sean went off the rails was was that he'd had his group for eight years and that when Sean was doing his normal thing of directing the musicians, that all the musicians stopped taking their lead from Sean because they all thought that they were big and famous in their own right. (laughs) I knew this would incense Paul Oh and it did make Paul angry.
5: Oh my god, I've never heard such bullshit in my life.
2: So correct that then. Correct. What's the truth? The,
5: the truth is the only one that got a massive ego was our kid.
2: And your kid is Sean. Right.
5: He got he when he started I I always say when he started to believe his own press that's when he changed. You know, he became a model in penthouse in a bath full of bubbles with with naked ladies, you know. And um, Gary Gas, Gary Whelan always says the moment Sean watched the Doors movie, the Oliver, I think it was the Oliver Stone Doors right. movie, um, that's when Sean changed. He thought he was Jim Morrison. Right. And he, he grew his ego and he believed his own press. But this but taking a lead from Sean on the music never, ever, ever happened, and it never will. Sean sang to the music we gave him, and it's as simple as that.
2: But obviously Tony Wilson oh, God, said yeah, that. Because so... Sean's
5: such a, When you're in his presence, he's such a believable person because he's an extrovert.
2: Right, so...
5: And Tony believed it. Poor, bless his soul. Tony believed him. Right. What an absolute load of bollocks taking a lead off Sean. Never, <laughs> never in my fucking life. Okay.
2: Gaz Whelan, the Mondays drummer, clarifies even further the Mondays' dynamic back in those days. From
9: the band starting, he was always hot hand as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I think when you come become successful. If you're the bass player, he doesn't become your band anymore, you know. That's just by, just the way it is, you know. And it's a, it's a, it's a difficult situation. I think that he kind of lost control. And he he wasn't controlling, but he was he, he you know but he he was his band, and he just he just kind of led by example and just guidance. He wasn't you know he wasn't a tyrant or anything, but he as you know he's part oh, out a tyrant. He couldn't be bothered for a star, you know. He couldn't be arsed, not the energy to be a tyrant. No, but he, he kind of lost that kind of, the direction of thing. And I think when fame happens, and I don't think, he didn't want fame, I think he wanted recognition. Yeah. And I think he's got it posthumously, but I wish he'd have got it, you know, and I think, but though he'd been, have been deeply embarrassed about it, you know, wouldn't have been able to deal with it.
4: <laughs> it was very frustrating to think that Paul was such a good musician, and yet he didn't seem to get the recognition that he should have got.
9: Communication-wise, I think we did the music, and Sean did the lyrics and singing. And and I look back and I think, well, he must have felt as an outsider. So we
2: put that one. To we sit- put that one. Just
5: we could sit here for the next fifty-two weeks. For. The- Fifty-two weeks, uh, an hour at a time, putting these books to bed.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to read the rest of them. Yeah. And I'm going to. I'm going to. I think I have a pretty good idea of what's true and what isn't. But I'll check with you, and we'll put a few more. Yeah, you've known me a very
5: long time. You know what the truth is.
2: Yeah, I've known you. Well, originally I met Mm -hmm. you in 1990, so I've known you for 32 years.
5: Right. Okay. So you've got a good idea of what went on.
2: Yeah, I think I have a good idea. And I did witness a lot of it as well. Yeah, I think that's
5: why you're good at getting stories out of me, (laughs) because I wouldn't tell them to anyone else.
2: And I know all the secrets. Yeah.
5: (laughs) But taking the lead off Sean as musical director, what a crock of shit. Um, That one makes me angry.
2: Yeah. That one makes me
5: really pissed off. I knew it would. And really pissed off because Tony's dead and he didn't know the truth.
2: You tried to tell him, though, a couple of times, didn't you? Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm not a powerful force like Sean. I, I think I'm a bit more laid back.
2: Right, I absolutely are. <laughs> laid back.
5: <laughs> yeah, you know, I ain't Mister Angry, although that made me angry.
2: So you recorded that new single, and then you did Top of the Pops, and then Simon Moran set up a huge UK tour, didn't he?
5: I, I didn't think anyone would turn up. Right. And he was saying, no, no, we'll, we'll do the Manchester Evening News Arena. Yeah. And it was like, Simon, you're off your head. No yeah. one's going to... And, he, he, you know, God bless him, he was, he was right. Yeah.
2: And we would have had lots of photos of that Manchester gig to show you if Paul's mum, Linda, hadn't had a bit of a
4: calamity with her phone. I've lost loads of photographs twice. One when I chopped my phone in half in the car door, shut in the car door. And the last time when like I dropped you. You still in touch with Simon now?
5: I saw him um on the James tour we've just done. I oh. saw him in Manchester. It yeah. was great to see him, yeah. He was really yeah. jovial and happy that we was there and yeah. it was really nice to see him.
4: The last time when I dropped it down the toilet and couldn't re you know, rescue any, I've lost loads of photographs.
2: So the 1999 tour. So there must have been a moment when you all met for the first time. Can you remember what that was like?
5: Yeah, in the, um... Oh, no, not not for that one. Not 99. Because 99, we had Wags on guitar instead of Mark Day.
2: mm mm-hmm.
5: And, er... Uh,
2: ben Leach.
5: Ben Leach on keyboards from the farm. And our, our kids make nuts.
2: Um. So you don't remember when you first went to rehearsals for that tour?
5: We started rehearsing in uh, the greenhouse in Stockport, in a little, the small one of the small rooms that, that, that they had there. And um, I just remember pieces of A4 paper on the wall next to me, with notes and cues on what I had to do and where I had to do it. Because mm-hmm. you know, I think it had been six years. Mm -hmm. Since we played, so yeah, started rehearsing in a small room in a greenhouse. Mm
2: -hmm.
5: But I don't remember meeting for the first time.
2: Gaz Whelan, the Monday's drummer, is also a little hazy about those times.
9: I remember being in the studio and recreating all the songs with Ben Leach. Me and Paul sat around the computer with Ben and programming all the...
2: Lee
9: Mullen as well was involved, wasn't he? And Lee Mullen, percussion, that's all I remember. I don't really remember anything else about bad times. I remember recreating yeah. all the backing tracks, spending a month in the studio just doing that with, with Ben, with Posh girls. Yeah.
2: So you'd kept in touch with Gaz. You'd seen him regularly over the intervening period. Had you kept in touch with Bez also? I didn't keep in touch
5: with anyone, just Gaz, really. Yeah.
2: So what was the mood like when you were rehearsing for that tour? Was everybody like, super nervous? What was it like?
5: Um, I was nervous because Mark Day wasn't there, and I was worried whether Wags could pull it off. Mm-hmm. But Wags is an amazing guitar player.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, a lot of Black Grape stuff was down to Wags, mm-hmm. and uh, he's uh, he he pulled it off. Nicely, so I was nervous about that at first. But once he got going, once we started rehearsing, and I I knew he could do the parts, it was like, okay, this is going to be good. Mm -hmm. And it was good. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I missed PD and Gaz, I mean PD and Mark, Mm -hmm. um, I missed them both. um, But but we pulled it off nicely.
2: Did you ever put pressure on everybody else to let them do that tour?
5: Um, not really. I was still angry at Mark and PD hmm. for for fannying out on me and our kid, hmm. which is what they did.
2: Do you understand why they did that now?
5: Yeah, of course I do. Many years later, yeah, I do.
2: Mm-hmm. And you forgive them now? For-
5: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They They put up with a lot. Yeah. You know, putting up with Sean just on his own is a lot. Yeah. You know. And they had uh, not eight years, so we we it was a good what did Tony say the band Sean's band had been going eight years. <laughs> I think it was a lot longer than that and it wasn't Sean's band. Yeah. Yeah. Can I have a smoke? Yeah.
0: Yeah? Oh. Okay. Oh.
2: Okay, so 1999
5: tour I was just about to say um, I don't remember much about it because I was was definitely back
6: drinking
2: and Lee Mullen the Monday's percussion player from those days definitely remembers that
6: one of the funniest things with Paul was I've never seen was when he he actually because Martin Herbert was his tech and he he told told me one day he said Paul's going to have, a, going to have a, a keg at the side of his am, ampeg stack. And I said, what? So he said he's going to have a stellar keg. And I went, what for? And he said, because so he can pull his own pints in between the songs. And I was like, I don't believe you. And, and honestly, that just, that, that image of me, of me on a riser playing with the Mondays and looking down and he's pointing at me, and the we're trying to start a song. I think we were trying to start Kinky Afro or something. And he's looking at me, and he's going, point, trying to point at me, and he's going, do you want one? And he's, he's like, we're in a bar. And we're playing somewhere, like, we're playing somewhere, like, in Glasgow, you know, at the arena. And he's going, and we like, hang on a minute. I'm just pouring a pint. And he's, like, just making sure the head, the head went on properly. It was hilarious, honestly. It's so funny.
2: And Paul's idea of having his friend Dave on the tour to help keep him on the straight and narrow, sadly, didn't quite go according to plan.
4: It was about halfway through
8: the tour, and I—I um, I was trying to ring David, and it, not answering the phone for a couple of days which is not typically, she's not at all unusual. And uh, (laughs) I was getting myself really worked up in a sort of a hormonal (laughs) frenzy, I suppose. You need to get home
0: now. You
8: need, I don't care what you're doing, I don't care about,
0: you need to get home now. And you just sort of dropped everything and came along, didn't you? Yeah, Paul said to me, what what was that about? (laughs) I said, I've no idea. It's just most going bananas. And and he, he said, why? I said, I don't know. I don't know. She just said, I've got to go home you've you got to go home he said you're supposed to be here for another two weeks and I said I don't know I don't know but she sounded like she meant it <laughs> and um, uh, so I, I, um, I said look I'm just going to have to go uh, mm. and I went back and then uh, uh, found out in the news that um, Maureen's pregnant
2: mm. So Paul made the most of his freedom from Dave's watchful eye and hit the drink in a big way
6: yeah, I, have, I have loads of uh, loads of great days uh, Lots of things that I probably couldn't say. Uh, I mean, this is where I met you when we were on tour with the Mondays.
2: Tell me, I don't really
6: know. I met you, I know I met, I met you when we were on tour with the Mondays because Paul Paul said, this is my, my new partner, Angela. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is my new bird. <laughs> and he said, she's coming on tour with us. So I remember us getting going, hiring, you know, when we were flying out to, we'd have a chartered, Flight, you know, we'd have like a, a, a plane where we'd they'd hire a plane in for us, and we'd fly out to Belfast to do a show, and you, and everybody'd come on, just pile on the plane. It was like it was ridiculous. I, I remember being, I remember being in Norway. We did, a, we did a festival in Norway, Christiansand Festival, and we went on there, and somebody had as soon as, as soon as we'd gone on there, I think somebody had had, had, had give Paul a V. He'd like he'd put two fingers up to Paul or something, or and 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 he it was like spoilt the whole gig for him, and he just wanted to fight him, and he was like all the way through the gig. We started every song, and he was pointing at this person, and he was he had his bass, and he was going after the gig after the and I've never seen. Honest, we did like an hour set, and he ran off the stage. And the security followed him. I don't know ever what happened on that, but I've never seen somebody so upset as well. He was, and I said, "What did he come up?" But he came up afterwards. I said, "What happened?" He said, "He said he disrespected me. He said he put the visa up. as soon as I walked on stage. He decided he didn't like me. He said I don't know who he is." And then on that same garbage run with us, and on the same, we went backstage, and Paul just decided that he wanted a food fight, and we're in catering backstage. And honestly, it was, like, it was like something out of a Western. It was just, every, Food was flying everywhere. It was ridiculous. That was backstage at a festival. And Paul started that. I don't mind saying that. And I don't know he won't mind me saying that. It was probably using again. No,
2: you definitely were using uh, okay. again. OK, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the
5: memory. Um, yeah, probably drinking out of nervousness, whether we was going to pull it off or not. I do remember that we did pull it off. And all the shows were fucking great.
2: Yeah.
5: But as for incidentals, I have no idea.
2: Dave has fond memories of an incident that happened just before he was called home by Maureen.
0: Me and Mo were talking about this the other day because uh, Maureen found a photograph of Paul and he's got my blue swimming goggles on. And uh, we went to uh, the Leeds Festival and we are in the... Uh, uh, the, the uh, backstage area, and there was a big marquee uh, where um, uh, you the, the artists go to have something to eat. And me and Paul went in there, and there was only me and Paul in, and we were just helping out. Paul wasn't even playing, you know, we, we just uh, just let people on the door knew him, and we just walked in. Also, what, what, have you, what have you got in your bag there? Because I had my rucksack, because you know I always carry my rucksack with me. So I said, I don't know, and I looked in it. I happened to have my blue swimming goals in, and uh, Paul goes, Oh, they're mega, then mega, let's have a go. Um, so uh, I said have a go okay. and he goes yeah 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 and he, so he put these, uh, these blue screw goggles on and this bloke comes across uh, and he sits there's these long benches and he sits there and he's looking across at Paul and, uh, and, and, and laughing and you know giggling the fact that Paul's got these glasses on and everything and it was Marilyn Manson Paul took the goggles off and we went to, to the stage to watch some more and uh, we'd only been uh, uh, gone two or three minutes and I said oh left me swimming goggles in the in the uh, in the in the marquee so I said just wait there I'll just go back and get them anyway he got back and my swimming goggles had gone so I went to the woman who served us and said uh, excuse me I said um, uh, did you have found any swimming goggles on on the bench and she went no no and I said uh, are you sure because I left them on there I said there was there was, there was someone sat and, and uh, she said well he left a few minutes a few minutes after you And uh, so, Ravlin Manson went, and his swimming goggles went as well. Oh, it's that Manson. I'm going to find him getting goggles back.
2: (laughs) Lee Mullen, the Monday's percussion player from those days, was devastated when he found out Paul had passed away.
6: Paul was always probably the best dressed. Uh, in the Happy Mondays without a doubt he was always like unbelievable we'd come to rehearsal and he'd have a a new jacket on or a new pair of shoes that he bought that morning you know he always looked really smart and I was always saying to him where'd you get that where'd you get that I always saw a a professional side of him and he was always everything he ever said that he was going to do with me involved in it he did so he was always you know he was always um, always um, very very Um, courteous and he was always very professional and and he was a friend, I considered him as a dear friend, you know, and he was somebody musically who I always had a good time on stage with, I never had a bad experience with him, he never ever had a bad word about anybody and that just shows you the quality and that's how I'd like to remember him, of a great really nice person great musician, had great ideas and um, and it's a really and he's going to be really sadly missed by everybody.
2: Coming up on the next episode...
5: He said, don't buy that, you'll hate it. It's
2: a terrible house.
5: It's a terrible house. And we found out the guy that owned it used to have sex parties there. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, we've we'll definitely go to have this house.
8: Horrible arguments, horrible things being said while we were on stage. Um, it wasn't a nice place to be in our band, I don't think, 99 really.
5: The cop car came along and I said, shoot the cops.
2: Shoot the cops!
5: It's like, shoot them as in film them.
2: We nearly got arrested. <laughs> yeah. Don't shout, shoot the cops loud in New York. That was all over the papers.
6: Yeah. When we did the, the later gigs, like at Murrayfield and a few of the other gigs, they would, they would, they would ban the, the production would ban any of, of 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 Liam coming anywhere near our dressing room. People had paid this girl,
5: who was a lady of the night, <laughs> and she ended up in my room falling asleep. So I took the money back out of the purse. I don't think it was a good idea because we got we could have got thrown in jail actually for <laughs> robbery.
2: If you want to hear even more talk about Paul and the Mondays, tune into my old MTV friend and colleague Steve Blame's Fab Podcast Pop: The History Makers, where he talks to me about the making of the Paul Ryder tapes. You may remember Steve Blame, he was a host on MTV Europe and he was the one that suffered in an interview with Sean and Bez in 1990 in front of a jukebox where they were totally off their trees. Steve told me that he'd blanked that interview out of his mind But go and have a look at it on YouTube It is like it is worth a watch Anyway, Steve loved the band And he was interested in going further into my story with Paul So you can hear all about it So that's it's called uh, Pop the History Makers Here's a little clip It's not like a friend where a friend pisses you off And you, you decide you don't want to be friends with that person anymore So you cut them out of your life he couldn't do that with Sean. There was still this bond. And it was a blood bond, I guess. Um, he wasn't able to just cut him out and move on. There was always this thread of connection. But,
3: you, but okay, but you say it was a blood bond and and as a yeah. as a sort of reason, but you can detach from your yeah. family. You can say they yeah. they aren't doing me any good, so I'm gonna detach. Yeah.
2: playing out with a sneak preview of a fab track from Gaz Whelan's solo project Love and the Family Tree. It's called The Ballad of David Bowie. It features none other than Paul Ryder on bass and it'll be released in January. And Gaz actually sings on this track. Who knew he had a great voice? Big thanks to Mark Musgrove and Mike Thomas for joining our special patrons club and supporting the show. Please join us as a founding member. We've got lots of great perks planned. Go to Patreon.com forward slash the Paul Ryder tapes for all the details please spread the word about the series and go to the website paulryder.tv for links to our socials and our shop with some great merch we'll be back next week same time same place 9 p.m uk time and 1 p.m pacific time thanks to all our guests and thank you to you for being here and listening we really appreciate you more than you know And finally, of course, the biggest thanks has got to go to the absolute star of the show, the late, great Paul Anthony Ryder. (laughs)
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <more. laughs> you know, it's getting terrible. I'll have a drink because it's going terrible. This can't go with this.